You're listening to MeSearch. I'm Crystal. And my name is Dustin. We're two friends taking space. And making space. For other Filipinos to share their stories and insights. Join us as we talk to folks in the community to discover how they became trailblazers, business leaders, and bosses. Hey, Crystal. Hey, Dustin. Hey, everybody. <laughs> yes. Hello. Very matter of fact. I like that. <laughs> Very matter of fact. That's something I have uh, trouble with in my acting, acting like things are matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> this is a detail and it's neutral. <laughs> this is a blue shirt. <laughs> blue shirt. Blue shirt. Me and Dustin used to, or Dustin used to practice my Meisner exercises with me. <laughs> Can you give everyone like a little a Cliff Notes version of what the Meisner technique is? So Meisner technique is, oh my God, hold on. <laughs> There's no such thing as a Cliff Notes version. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot, but it's, it's, um, it's a technique that was stemmed from the Stanislavski um, method technique, um, but it's a little bit on the healthier side so your mind doesn't get all fucked up. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, one of the exercises in the Meisner technique, uh, when I when I first started uh, going to school for acting, uh, was the repeat exercise. So for all you actors out there, how about those repeat exercises? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, you pretty much, you, you're, you have your acting partner and you stand in front of them and you observe what's happening mm -hmm. or what's, you know, any kind of physicalities, whatever you notice and you say it and then your partner repeats it back to you. So if I say like, okay, so right now, Dustin, mm -hmm. backwards hat. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not taking this seriously. Okay, hold on. Backwards hat. Backwards hat. Backwards hat. Backwards hat. Smiling. Smiling. <laughs> laughing. <laughs> laughing. You're laughing. <laughs> You're laughing too. You're laughing too. Okay. So, um, messy bun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I haven't done this exercise since I practiced with you. <laughs> really? Yeah, because you know I didn't do Meisner when I um, when I went to undergrad because I did I so I did Meisner technique when I was still at community college and then when I went to undergrad and then grad school we didn't do any Meisner technique at all we did other types of techniques but we mm. never we never did Meisner so that was that was the end of it you're my last Meisner partner <laughs> okay all yeah. right well I'll take that blue shirt. <laughs> oh, blue shirt. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> if anybody wants to practice the that Meisner technique, um, go for it because it can be a cathartic experience. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and start this episode. We have yes. a question from a friend of the pod, Ryan from Orange County. And he asked... 
if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? So we're going to take a moment to answer that question. Crystal. <sighs> well, how the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would tell myself, um, hey, boo, you don't always have to slap on a smile. It's all right. <laughs> um, my childhood wasn't ideal and I experienced a lot of things that kids shouldn't have to and because my family did not want to talk to me about these events or unhealthy patterns surrounding me um, so I could have some kind of understanding of why things are happening Um, or you know they'd get mad if I even muttered or expressed my fear of any kind of dysfunctioning happening under our roof Um, they also told me not to tell anybody, not to talk about it. Um, I had to learn how to self-soothe and pretend everything was fine. And I, you know, I developed a lot of unhealthy habits of bottling things up and working too hard to get through things without really addressing the root issue of it all. And I've also not been the best at advocating for myself and a lot of other things that I have been working through in therapy now, but um, I would definitely tell my younger self that it's okay to feel what you're feeling and that there's nothing wrong with you. If you're angry or sad, those feelings are valid. Um, And those feelings that are associated with the negative are okay. Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with anything you're feeling and your feelings and ideas and your words matter in this world. And you don't always have to freaking mask it with a smile and this perpetual fight for positivity if you just need a freaking moment to just feel. So that's what I would tell myself. Oh, man. <laughs> um, that was deep. <laughs> I know. God. <laughs> I take your questions very seriously. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, I I feel like there there are a lot of things that I would say to my younger self. Like, I think about this question a lot. If I could go back in time and, like, fix something or if I could go back in time and, like, give myself advice, Mm -hmm. like, what would that possibly be? And today in this moment, I feel like um, kind of in the same vein of, like, hey, it's cool. Just be you. Like, experience what you're feeling. Like, I would tell my younger self that as as well. Um, More specifically, that who you are is who you are. Mm. And it's cool. You're going to come across a lot of folks who say, like, you shouldn't be that. You shouldn't do that. Um, But really, like, life is so short. When you're a child, you feel like life is infinite. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you grow old... You go through these experiences where you're like, wow, time really does go by fast. You should just yeah. enjoy it and like be authentically who you are. And those things that people say you need to change or those things about you, those qualities that you you are being told is actually not a good thing. Like maybe that's your superpower. Like maybe that's that thing that you need to mm. flex from time to time. Yes. Because some people are haters just because – you know, they don't understand or they want to uh, control you in some way. And, you know, life's too short to be um, not not free, not liberated in that way. You know what I mean? Amen. Yeah, flex. Yeah. Flex your superpower. I love that, boo. 
Yeah. I really love that. Hell yeah, it's your superpower. Yeah. And you, my dear friend, are perfect the way that you are, and I love you. And I'm glad we're here today. Yeah. I am too. And thanks for that question, Ryan. It was fun. Yeah. Um, We got to talk a little bit about, you know, being awesome because Mm -hmm. Crystal and I are awesome and I'm not going to apologize for that. Hell fucking (laughs) yes. We are awesome. We're fucking doing, doing things. Okay. We're cool. We're fun. We're hip. We're so cool and fun and hip. We're not, what is the word? Oh man, chuggy? it's left <laughs> chuggy. We're not, We're not chuggy people. <laughs> I mean, even if we are chuggy, I love being chuggy. I don't like honestly, like whatever, man. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Says um, who? Says who? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh. Anyway, if you all have <laughs> questions or if you have a message that you want to share with us on the show. You can contact us on our social media at MeSearch Podcast, or you can email us at contactmesearch at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voice recording at anchor.fm slash mesearchpodcast. Well, this was a lovely, like, intro discussion and a nice segue into who we're speaking to today, huh? Who are we speaking to today? Well... Today, we are talking to Gregory Pacificar, who advocates for vulnerable communities through film. He's worked on films, documentaries, and other multimedia projects that emphasize the stories of marginalized populations. Uh, His directorial documentaries include La Familia and Mangosteen. He's also a co-host of the Gam Chat podcast, featuring the perspectives of three gay Filipino men. Y'all. P.S. But not even P.S. Because let's put it in the main body of this letter. <laughs> Happy Pride, y'all! Woo-woo! Yeah! Yeah! And y'all, if you have not checked out Gam Gam Chat Podcast, like, go do that after you listen to ours. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. But, no, but, do it, do it. But do yeah, it. yeah. Go listen to, go listen to them. Um, Side note, being gay is a superpower, so flex it! Flex you're gay. Can I say that? Yeah, flex your gay. Yeah, flex your gay. <laughs> okay. It's Pride Month. I'm wearing a rainbow today. You are. Yes. When people hear this episode, it's going to be um, a month after Pride. But, you know, every month should be Pride Month because you deserve it. Hell yeah. We also didn't get to say happy AAPI month last month. So also happy AAPI month from last month in may wow we love it yeah um but yeah we'll get deep in this episode and we're gonna chat with gregory about his educational journey career journey and love journey yeah yes. let's get into this episode let's do it all right welcome gregory pacific R. to what the show up? We are happy to have you here as a guest at MeSearch because um, we talk about you and your podcast a lot. And we'll get into that yeah. a little bit later. But Greg is also one of the hosts of one of our favorite podcasts called Gam Chat. Gam Chat. Gam Chat. So shout, out, shout out to Dean McCoy. Woohoo! Yes. Gam Chat. Gay Asian male chat yeah <laughs> check it out y'all oh thank you so much for here i'm really glad to be with you guys i'm excited 
Yeah, and we're glad you're here with us. Um, and before we begin, can you please paint us a picture of where you are at in this moment, mentally, physically, whatever you feel like sharing for our listeners? Like, give us a sense of what's going on in your space. What's going on in my space? You know, actually, I was a little nervous before coming here, and I feel, I, I don't know, I feel like I, I'm at peace. And maybe because because I, I lit a candle, my eucalyptus candle, Ooh, and I have a beer. Nice. <laughs> yes. You know, sage the place a little bit, get that little vibe, yeah, yeah. energy Cleanse flowing. It. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, yeah good, good vibes here. The beer helps too. <laughs> the beer always helps. What kind of beer are you drinking? Um, it's called Pineapple Cart. <gasps> Do you know this? No, but it it sounds like a fun time. Yeah, it sounds like a fun time at Trader Joe's or something, right? You're like that fancy, bougie nice. like beer. Uh, it's a little like tastes like a little bit like pineapple and a little love. I gotta say, love Aww. it, love it. I'll have to pick some of that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I if if I burp, I apologize in advance and I have to cut that out. So sorry for you guys. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so Greg. So, Greg, you do a lot of really cool stuff professionally and personally. Y'all check out the website. We'll link you up at the end of the episode. Um, but today we want to talk a bit about your experiences as an artist and storyteller. Can you tell us a bit about the work you do on films, music videos, and documentaries? Oh, wow. Uh, where do I start? I do a lot of like <laughs> a lot of creative stuff I just find myself in. Like I started doing documentaries you know, uh, right after college, but I kind of just fell into it. You know how you always just say yes to things when you're younger? Yeah. And you don't really think about the consequences of your yeses and you just do it. <laughs> sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's like, how did I get here? Um, and that kind of philosophy has taken me, you know, I think, you know, to Malaysia, for example, to do a document about HIV AIDS over there. Um, but I actually started the, in the creative field by going to film school at uh, Loyola Marymount. Um, and that really set it all off. You went to Loyola Marymount University, and as an undergrad, you majored in television production and minored in Asian American studies. Um, and so to some folks, those are vastly different areas of studies. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you landed there? Let me go a little bit further back. Whoa, you guys are, ta you guys are taking me a little okay. bit further back. Whoa. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, let's go it's, there. It's a little scary place to be. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's fine. This is a safe space. I love it. Um, no, I started actually, I would have to pinpoint my creative journey and path actually started in college. Oh, no, sorry. In high school. Felt like college because all the damn homework. Um, I went to like an all boys Catholic school here in San Gabriel Valley. And um, we had an opportunity to present for an English class a topic, and we could present it in any way we wanted to, whether it's, you know, um, whether it's a speech, verbal, um, PowerPoint, or in my case, I decided to do about video, and I focus on the modern generation, um, the, and the, specifically like in Marina, Watsonville, the first models that came here, and there were farmers, and all the challenges they had experienced um and my presentation was last in the class and everybody was i was watching everyone present 
and everybody was falling asleep during topics that centered around race, uh, discrimination, things about the Holocaust. You'd see my other classmates fall asleep through them. But it was my turn to present, which was the very last on the list um, of presenters. I did a video because I was like, how do we make people pay attention to our stories? Specifically, how do we get classmates who are, are not even Filipino actually care about this generation of immigrants that contributes so much to California and California policy as well, too. And so I created this corny as video like it was just absolutely corny but it was it was awful i use footage from like batman i use footage from miami vice that's how i'm gonna age myself a little bit (laughs) 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 um and and then i entered and i included actual footage of the interviews from the modern generation in my presentation and it was the first time when i was done that everyone in the class had questions wow they were curious about what is this history of California history, U.S. history that no one has talked about or no one has brought to light or we don't even talk about in the classrooms uh, because, you know, textbooks is, you know, th- mm-hmm. through a specific lens mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not necessarily brown. <laughs> and then from there, you know, I went to I actually started my academic career, uh, like academic life at Cal State Fullerton. Mm-hmm. And um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I, when I had to think, you know, I'd pick a major in college. Mm-hmm. And you're like, crap, I'll just do business. Or I'll just do something, you know, sorry, basic, <laughs> you know, just to like go through it. Um, and for some reason, I was, I don't know, you get haunted by memories or points in your life. And for some reason, this point, this in this classroom that I had in high school, and how people paid attention for the first time to a story, I kept on replaying it in my in my mind. And I think that's how I started really on the on my creative path. Now getting it, you know, getting there, I don't know. Like getting through it, I don't know. I'm still going through it. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the middle of my journey. I don't know. Like Yeah. The journey never ends. What? It doesn't end? The journey what? never ends. No. You No, you didn't know that? How dare, my heart. how dare you break this news? I know. <laughs> so were you uh, a business major when you were an undergrad? Originally? No, I was not. Okay. I still did not. I, I did I didn't click on anything. Um I didn't click on that major. You know, I didn't pick my major. Um because I was just too scared to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And then when I found out, you know, uh, and I was at Fullerton, which is it has, it has a really good business school. It didn't have a great creative arts um, film program. And it just wasn't aligned. Mm -hmm. You know how you have that feeling of alignment and you find yourself somewhere and you're like, what the fuck? Like, how'd I get here? I'm not aligned. Yeah. (laughs) Or something's off in your life. You know what I'm saying? And then I went to Cal State Long Beach looking for a film and it was just wasn't my vibe. And then I went to the art center and then, um, you know, the Art Center of College and Design, and then end up at LMU trying to pursue my creative career. Uh- <laughs> <laughs>
cannot harmonize nor sing like how Crystal and Dustin do, but we try. I'm Greg. I'm McCoy. I'm D, and we're Gamchat. We're three gay films discussing topics from culture to LGBTQ identity, politics, current events. We're just trying to make sense of anything and everything in the world today. Like, did my mom just like an All Lives Matter post on Facebook? Or, how do I tell Tita Baby, stop calling me Tabachoy? Or, kinks and heartbreaks. So, like a typical Tuesday for you? No, no. Every first and third Wednesday. Awkward! Alright! Find us wherever you listen to your podcast. If you were set on seeking a major that was not traditional, how did you and your family have those conversations? Um, like how all Filipinos families have conversations, they don't. Mm-hmm. They just ignore <laughs> it. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. They don't want to. They don't want to discuss it because they don't want to deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so this is an interesting question because it m- makes me think about this. Uh, I guess transition into fully owning your creative path. Mm-hmm. Um, I had um, an aunt say to my mom that this is only the industry for white guys. Mm. Or she said specifically yeah. Jewish white guys. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in college, um, one of my films was entered and received some really good um, feedback at the VC Asian American Film Festival when I was in college. And my mom attended it. And... I remember she was she went to watch it and it was a very emotional film. It was a very it was a short film. It's quite interesting. It was a short film about abuse and sexual trauma that the main character, which is a female experience. Um, and it had some interesting feedback. Um, I think some people even actually cried, which was I didn't expect. So afterwards I see my mom, and then she said Anak nodded her head and just walked away. <laughs> wow. I was like, all right, that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> I got a nod. I got a nod. I was happy with a nod. So it was, it was a nod of approval? It was a nod of... It felt honestly like a nod of like, what the hell are you doing with your life? (laughs) (laughs) You know, see, you know, right? See, you know. I've experienced that. (laughs) Right? Yeah. My shoulders are up. I'm tense. (laughs) Right? It's like, like they want to be proud, but you can tell in their vibe and their eyes like. Yeah. What was that? Like you drove, you, you know, I drove all the way to LA to Hollywood to see your film, and that's what you have. I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. Well, I'm just going to eat my emotions for another <laughs> oh. hour. And I'll, I'll oh. come on. I know. Oh. I've, I've been there too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh! So you've been doing this now for a while. Is is it safe to assume that your family is accepting and that they are proud of what you do at this point? I would like to think that they're proud of me at this point. Yeah. Um, probably only because I pay my mom's bills. I think that's how it... Okay. And I think she's proud about that. I still don't think that she understands this creative path. My mom is from the medical field. Um, she's a doctor. Mm-hmm. And she... You know, 
My parents are both born in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. My dad was a farmer when he was 14 when he came to the States. My mom was part of the brain drain. Um, so they didn't have options mm. or understanding about creativity as a way to pay the bills. And so, and I, so I think it's, 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 uh, you know, I think it's always been like a work in progress. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, it's like, you know what it's like? So like, you know, like I'm gay, so shocker. Um, it's like coming out to your parents, but you're not, mm-hmm. but you know, like you're like, oh yeah, I, you know, I want to be a director and writer. And it's like, what? Like, what's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and so... <laughs> It's like crap. I have to come out in like so many different ways. You know, it's 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 a process. Yeah, that's an interesting analogy. Yeah. Coming out, but it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, when I told my mom I was gonna go to school for acting, it's kind of just like, okay, <laughs> what? Uh, she went to one of my shows. Like she she hasn't been to. A lot of my shows, she went to one, and she saw me in Rent, which is, like, also kind of awkward because there's a lot of sexual moments in that. (laughs) Um, And I also don't remember, like, her really saying anything about that. So, like, I I understand that, like, can you just, like, say something? Do you want to say, like, good job? Do you want to say, like, you know, like, oh, that was, like, even, oh, that was a crappy performance, you know? Like, something, you know? But, yeah, it's just, like, that weird, like... I don't know, like lost in translation and just, it just feels like it's forever lost. But, you know, but let's, let's keep the hope. Let's keep the hope. (laughs) I think also, at least from my perspective, there are a lot of parts of at least what I perceive to be Filipino culture is that there are times where you're trying to communicate something, but it's always without words like there is intent to communicate something but the way that they communicate or the way that Mm -hmm. we have to get messages across are through behaviors acts of Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. or other other showy things that communicate what you're trying to communicate and sometimes it's difficult because yeah it's it's all nonverbal and yeah, part of that's a culture yeah. clash, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. Makes like, it difficult. I mean, are your parents immigrant parents? Yeah, mine are. Yeah, like, um, like I don't get them. <laughs> like, did they not know the word love? Like, is that a new language? Like, <laughs> it's hard sometimes. There, you know, like you can't verbalize it. <laughs> my my family grew up not really saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah seriously I think same in year. recent years it's like we are all trying to say it to yeah. each other more often because we know like hey we're all getting older things will happen but it's just so it's it is such a difficult thing and i know that in our conversations and conversations with younger filipino americans i think we it's so easy to take the side of like oh my parents don't communicate to me but i find it difficult to communicate simple words like i love you like i don't say that really to anybody i know you're <laughs> blushing right now like you're turning red or something like, like, oh, love. <laughs> it's like don't make me say it you should already know 
And I think that's a sentiment. That's like yeah. probably where our parents are coming from. I don't know. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, when I was, oh gosh, I think my parents never said the word love or even or anything remotely that looks like, I don't know, the 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 sitcom that you see on TV type <laughs> mm-hmm. of love. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. So like when I was, I think it was in high school. I was kind of like a bad boy in high school. I'll say it. All right. So... <laughs> One time I came home like wasted and I had this idea just to throw in the word love in, you know, verbally and just say it like, mm-hmm. just like, oh, and I'm leaving. All right. Bye, mom. Bye, dad. Love you. Like really quick. So they don't really catch it. Mm-hmm. And so um, <laughs> I started doing that in small doses. And I think it took about maybe like five years for them to start even embracing the word love but i think i had to teach them on how to communicate it well that's beautiful i think that like you know as challenging as that road is to get to that point where you can express that love to one another like as long as we get there somehow somewhere down the road i think that's that's a win i think that's definitely a win and you know Props to you for being persistent for five years. <laughs> you know, like you really, you really tried. And I think, I think it's easy to stop trying, you know, like after you're not getting that reciprocation, but like that effort eventually works, you know? Are you all also familiar with the uh, love languages? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that. It- is at least for me something that's relatively new that concept of there being love languages and that you don't necessarily have to express love verbally mm-hmm. i think having awareness of expressions of love outside of just saying the words has helped me understand where my family is coming from mm-hmm. for example my parents are very much like acts of service people Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, let me let me um, let me take care of this for you. They're also very much like gift people, um, and I think part of that's like they didn't have a lot of stuff growing up, so they're very much let me provide you with this. Like I'm not gonna have to say I love you, but let me let me give you money or like, like mm-hmm. let me let me drop off food. Like let me do all of these other things that demonstrate like, yes, I care about your well-being, but um, I'm not going to say it because that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But they say it on TV. I know. You know, it's, it's a really, um, there's like so much like cognitive dissonance when like when you're growing up and it's like your formative years and like you are bombarded with like, you know, family matters and freaking full house and like everyone is so cozy yeah. and cutesy. And then you're like, what about me? Yeah, like, come on. I want to experience me- that. <laughs> totally. Sing me like a Beach Boy song from Full House. You know what I mean? Like, how hard is that? You 100. Know what I'm right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, you know, knowing this and having this, like, I think our generation, moving forward in our community, I think we'll be able to hopefully kind of display and exemplify that kind of love 
that we wanted as kids also, you know? So to like mm-hmm. our, our own kids, or our nieces and nephews or whoever, our God kids, whoever, you know, I, I, I'm excited to see how our generation navigates, um, how we show love to the next generation and how that continues to pass down and what that's going to look like years and years and years from now. So. Totally. And we love you, Greg, for doing what you do. (laughs) Yes. We love you for doing what you do. Can you, can you tell us about your type of, storytelling through your filmmaking yeah um you know it's interesting that you asked this question because i'm always i think i've recently discovered like where my alignment or my creative alignment is mm-hmm. um because i you know i think early on i try to you know do the typical route of like oh i'll do a commercial here or you know oh i'll do a music video mm-hmm. uh, or i'll do like documentary and and I, when I took a step back to really look about like who am I as a as a creative, as a storyteller, you now going back to those moments where it really moved me, it's always has been something about social causes like that. I've always gravitated to that. Whether it's a documentary, whether I'm like in Mexico looking at or understanding the experiences of a homeless family on the, out on the streets or when I was doing some work in Malaysia about looking at HIV AIDS um, or even my most recent like, feature documentary called the Ito sisters. It was about three Nisei Japanese women sharing their stories about the, the life before the internment camps in California to life afterwards. Mm. I love documentaries but I think my heart and soul is actually with narrative films. And I've always loved and think about narrative films. But this is interesting. You asked this question because recently, you know, um, I think as creators, we never really go introspective about ourselves and about our spirit and where this creativity flows and what does it want to do, you know, when you have a creative idea and, you know, I haven't done a lot of narrative work, but I have written a lot of scripts and I asked myself, like, why did I not do more narrative work or why do I let other people, producers or friends tell me what kind of work I should do, Mm. you know? And when I go down that path, it never quite, works out in my favor. Like, I don't feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And this sounds like so ridiculous, but I I, I pin it back to this moment of why I never took my own creative path and why I let other people take it for me or lead me. It's because, oh my God, this sounds so corny because I'm so upset with myself that I just, you know, ruminate on it, you know, over and over again. But when I was in college, my senior project, my senior thesis project, was a short film. And I'll be honest, the film sucked. Like, the film was horrible. Like, it was... And I was doing pretty good in film school and TV and production. I was doing really good. And then when I got my thesis one, it just... Oh, God, it was so bad. Um, 
And I said, fine, that's fine. I'll just move on, right? And then I went to like a party, like maybe like a year later. Um, and I went to this party with all these really great like people of color, filmmakers and artists. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in my vibe. This is where I belong. And this woman says, I was talking to this one woman and she was like, oh, yeah, have you done anything? So I told her about this film I did. I was like, uh, you know, begrudgingly, I'm like, crap. And then she, um, she laughed. She went, huh. And because it was such a bad film. And I understand that it was a bad film, but she saw it and she laughed at it. Aww. And it's so ridiculous. And every time when I take this path in life to do it, I, I end up always stopping myself because of this millisecond of a... It wasn't even a full laugh. It was like a half laugh. She couldn't give me a full laugh. She gave me a half laugh. And yet I, I'm i stuck in this moment mm. on repeat <sighs> for like a number of years. Isn't yeah. it crazy? Like just one moment in your life could totally derail you. Yeah, I understand. So, I mean, now I think more recently I've been more focused on writing um, than ever before. And it's still like a work in progress of just being vulnerable to write and to be vulnerable to be criticized and to be vulnerable to myself. Because as a creative, like, what does Erica Badu say? What's she, what was her line? She's like, I'm an artist. I'm sensitive about my shit. She yeah. says that in one of her concerts, right? And you're like, and you're like, yes! You know, uh, even she's vulnerable. And she's yes. like, you know, mm-hmm. gosh, she's like dope. Like, come on. Like, she's so untouchable. Dope. But it's like, man, like, to be vulnerable. So I'm practicing vulnerability. That's what I'm actually doing. Like, that's why I started that podcast was not only to share stories, my own stories and understand it, but really to learn how to be vulnerable af like right now (laughs) you know how it is yeah thank you for being vulnerable um so greg as a documentary filmmaker you've traveled across the globe amazing um you've been to the philippines malaysia and mexico how has the the experience working with folks cross-culturally impacted how you view yourself as a Filipino. You know, it's, 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 it, it, this is interesting because, you know, I always thought about like, what does it mean to be Filipino? Mm-hmm. And, you know, being Filipino American, um, you're neither there or here, mm-hmm. you know, you're, there's a little bit of everything. I think one of the beautiful things about being Filipino and traveling and going to other communities um, communities that are, are very vulnerable communities. My identity as being Filipino has helped me connect to others that are very vulnerable. Because mm-hmm. I think feel, being Filipino is all about the heart. Because hmm. our country, our ancestral country has been through a lot in the past century. <sighs> and, you know, there is a reason why everybody goes to the Philippines for the hospitality and there is always a reason why people feel so welcomed by Filipino families, whether it's food or embrace or someone telling a joke <laughs> or someone, someone sharing a story about their life. Mm-hmm. And I think that has helped me travel the world to do documentaries because 
it has opened myself up to understanding others, to to understand even like how food brings people together, mm-hmm. and has opened me up to receive even like dishes, you know, of food from others, and that that means a lot. I think in a lot of places outside of the U.S., it means so much. That's beautiful. I think that's the key. It's like understanding like your roots, like really going in and like trying to excavate so much of our history that like you mentioned, like we're not taught that in textbooks, right? And once we realize the challenges that our ancestral home has been through and gone through and the fight that they had. And when you go to different communities and you also see the different fights that they've had, you know, it kind of just connects you in a way where like, okay, you know, you're going through this. We went through this. You went through this. You know, how can we help one another? How can we uplift one another? How can we share each other's stories? And in your case, you get to share, you've shared their stories. And I think that's an amazing thing. It's beautiful. Hi, I'm Jason Tannemore, and I'm on the Me Search podcast, and I'm the author of Vampires of Portlandia. It's about Filipino folklore Aswang, and you can find it on tannemore.com. Let's talk about some career highlights. Um, has there been any moment in your career that's been particularly memorable for you in a good way? Or is there any specific moment in your journey that you hold close to your heart? Ooh, close to my heart. Yes. It's kind of like a lot of the ones that I really love um, kind of shape you as a, as a person. I think one of the products or documentaries I, I, I was a part of very early on in my my creative life uh, was going to Malaysia too. So it's one of those things I was sharing earlier about that we keep saying yes to things when you're younger and we're like, whatever, where does it take me? <laughs> and well, one of these yeses took me to Malaysia. We worked with the U.S. Embassy and the Malaysia AIDS Council. This was a while ago. And I went to Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur to understand the HIV AIDS crisis over there. Just really just like on the ground, running around with the camera in Kuala Lumpur and and seeing how diverse Malaysia is and also how these diverse communities understand this virus and the fear of this virus and the shame. Um, Because Malaysia is, is quite a unique country. You know, you have so many different religions there and you have so many different ethnic identities there. And on this tour, we would visit all these various communities and I realized that we weren't visiting or talking to people with HIV, only a few of them. And I asked our our guide at the Malaysia AIDS Council, I was like, where could we meet more people? And she suggested having us visit a house where children with HIV have been abandoned. And so this house takes them all in. And it was, it was quite interesting to, even on the walk over to this house, um, you know, you could hear the mosque and, you know, they do their, their prayer as you walk there. Also, as we were walking there, you was, we walked past. And so when we arrived to this house, there was 
There was one woman taking care of all these children that had been abandoned because the parents found out they were HIV and that the child has HIV. And so they were leaving children out on the, sh- the child out on the street, in, in a trash can, at the grocery store, and just abandoning these children. And uh, the children range from anywhere from like two to four, five years old. And when we, when we got there, it was just me and my camera guy. So we're two males and we got there. All the children ran to, ran to us just to touch like, our faces and just to just touch us. And I was like, okay, you know, like, and I, I, the woman that was the caregiver explained to us, oh, the children are rushing to you and they, they're all over you and they're touching their faces because they never see a man in this space. They don't see men in their country giving them or showing them any type of affection. So a lot of times what happens with children during this time, when they find out they have HIV, none of the nurses would touch them. So their muscles would like seize up. And, and so when they come to the house, the caregiver has to like massage their muscles so that way they could grow. And so all the children were rushing up to us and they just wanted to be around you know, me and my, my camera guy. Because they just wanted to know what it felt like to have a man show them kindness. And this is one of those things that really, I think, defined me as a creative and just as a human. You know, and what kind of human I wanted to be. Um, and it also made me look at, you know, even on the narrative form. So through this experience... You know, um, I'm haunted by this idea that I'm a story that I want to write. I'm tell, I'm sharing it because I need to just get it out there in the universe so I can finish it. <laughs> but it's to understand, like, why the parents abandon these children, and it's not such a quite easy answer because what I learned at this point was that you know the economy your faith, your religion, your experiences when you're young, your experiences with your neighbor, experience I mean, at the medical clinic, all shape a parent's decision to abandon their child and what led them there. So I think for the past few years, I've been, you know, like trying to understand the story or trying to understand this woman that was in this situation and all the different factors that played a role and this child being left behind. So I mean, that's one of the things I've I just I find really close to my heart, and I constantly am and and I'm haunted by it to finish it. So hopefully, if I'm speaking the words, something would you know whoop me in my butt to to finish the script. <laughs> so everyone who's listening to this podcast, yeah, send a DM to Greg. And remind him <laughs> to finish this project. Hold me accountable. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I can't wait to watch that and experience that story that you're about to tell. That is so, so powerful. And a story that, like, I, I've never seen. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to experience this story that you're about to share with us when you're done with it. Thanks. Yeah. If you'll have us, we'll be there front row. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> and I hope I'll be there too. <laughs> 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 but 
But you know, like what I learned about my creative and like really moves me and aligns me is to ask, always ask the question, why? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of like why you watch television and, and, and movies all the time is for that connection mm. and to really understand our own why in life. Like, why did I fight with my mom? Or why did I wake up? Or why, how am I get through this, you know? And so, throughout me and my documentaries and even writing all these films and scripts, it's always to explore the question, why? And so, in order for me to figure out the why, I actually have to sit down and write it and do the research and put myself in these situations hmm. is to figure out, you know... I guess to find out what my big why is myself, because I haven't figured it out yet. It's okay. Life's a journey, as we've said. <laughs> yes! The journey never stops. Oh, hell. no information. Oh. <laughs> I hate you, Dustin. Sorry about it. Sorry. So I, I want to take you uh, back in time for this next question, Greg. I'd like you to think back on your experiences your professional experiences, your academic experiences, and your uh, experiences as a child and in your family. Think about all of the really cool and awesome things. Think about all of the really tough things that you've had to endure. Now, with all of that in mind, imagine that you're standing in front of high school Greg just before his presentation. What words of encouragement or what pieces of advice would you give to little Gregory to kind of propel him through life or the next five, 10 years, let's say. Ooh, that's, that's a, that's deep. Yo, that's deep. (laughs) We're getting deep in this. All right. Yeah. This is, again, this is so interesting that we're doing this uh, interview right now is because recently I've actually learned to put a, by a photo of myself when I was younger in my room Mm-hmm. So I really don't have that many photos, but I realize I have to be kind to my younger self. Mm. You know, sometimes we we yeah. get really like in our head and be like, oh, why did you do that when you're younger? Why did you say this? And, why did...? and I was like, oh, I really need to learn how to be kind to myself and to my younger self when I go back in that headspace. <laughs> so I think this all journey for me as, an, as a creative and as an artist is to understand the most simplest thing which is like loving yourself and you know being kind to yourself mm-hmm. i'm going to share this really crazy story so not too long ago i was in a very bad place like my alignment was so off my chi was was like chia seeds it was just everywhere it was a mess <laughs> it was a hot mess <laughs> um <laughs> and and you know it's like gosh it's like what i learned you know looking back at that is that you know, the universe always wants you to succeed. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know how like they say that you can't suffocate yourself because your body just reacts. And it's like, hell no, don't, mm-hmm. don't do that. Like, you have to live, right? The universe is the same way. Like, it actually really, truly wants you to succeed. I mean, that's why you're here, right? You know, going back, um, I was in a very bad place. My alignment was off. I think my, my, my father just passed away. And that's another thing people don't ever teach you about is, is when a parent passes away. Like no one ever teaches you how to process that. Mm. And I don't know how this universe works, <laughs> but it it will put you in places where you need to be at. Like, you know, for example, I think I just started to learn 
I started actually saying maybe like three or four years ago that I need to love myself for the first time in like decades. I don't think I've ever said to myself that. I don't think I'm already in my thirties. Like, like I waited all this time. And it, the interesting thing happened was that when I started to say it out loud, like really verbalize it, like, oh, you know, maybe actually I probably whispered it. I probably didn't say it that loud. Um, was like, love yourself. Hmm. I got a call out of nowhere um, from uh, Shaka Khan's people to do to direct her music video, and I was like, "What?" And I was like, "Well, what's the song called?" And it says, and "The song's titled Love Myself." And I was like, "Fuck!" Shut the front I was like, door. I was like, "Fuck it." That means I really have to like she like love myself like if. If I don't take this sign, then I'm a complete idiot. And I just need to give up on my life if I just didn't receive this message. And that actually started my process. The universe is crazy, everyone. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, wow. But looking back at it, on the career side, you know, like, in, in some ways, yeah, that the universe responded the way it did. But in other ways, it manifested, this manifestation happened, I honestly think, like, I think it was like 20 years ago, when I verbalized to somebody that I am a writer-director. And it just so happened that years and years later, that Shaka Khan's people would be in the same room with that one individual, saying, oh, we need somebody on the team to do this music video. And that's how they contacted me is because, you know, when I was saying yes to everything, well, saying yes to myself, Mm -hmm. you know, it was communicated somewhere and it went down this path and it came to me when I, I guess, verbalized it again. So verbalize, say it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you would say to your younger self. Say it. Say it. Don't be ashamed. Yeah. Love yourself and say it. Say it. (laughs) Say it, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Shaka Khan. Wow. I mean, Shaka Khan. Like, Shaka Khan. That's amazing, though. Wow. Uh, such timing. That is such an amazing story. Like, wow. All right, Gregory, are you working on anything exciting that we should be aware of? Oh, yes. Well, I'm, I'm always working on Gamchat every week. That is for sure. Um, you definitely find that podcast on everywhere you get your podcast. <laughs> Tell us about it. Uh, Gam Chat started <laughs> during the pandemic, at the start of the pandemic, when me and two other gay guys were like, how do we put more of our voices out there? And, you know, I think even in the LGBTQ community, like you don't see a lot of voices of color mm-hmm. on a lot of platforms, um, you know, saying they're... Mm-hmm. Their piece. And so this is how Gam Chat started. I think it's almost a year since we started it, and it is weekly. And we talk about all things like Filipino identity, tackling issues, and how to eat a lechon. Awesome. Everyone <laughs> check it out. And other naughty things. Yeah, tune yes. in, y'all. Um, so how can the folks at home learn more about you and your cool projects? Okay. Wow, I'm not really good at putting myself out there and I need to learn about learn to. So I mean you can definitely follow me on Instagram on IG. That's G Pacificar. 
you definitely find me there. And now that I verbalize this, I guess I have to put more of my projects out there and let them take flight. Yeah. <laughs> let yourself fly, Greg. Yes. Fly. <laughs> fly. <laughs> All right. Final question. What's put a smile on your face recently? This is a little interesting laugh or put a big smile on my face. So um, one of the things I'm working on, like it's very like in development stage is I'm trying to understand how to um, uh, make, I'm putting together a proposal to create um, a, a studio, a TV studio that is accessible for all people with disabilities for for all abilities Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) i laugh about it because it's kind of a i think it's a kind of a crazy idea but it brings joy and i kind of laugh about it so i guess that's a good thing (laughs) and so um i'm in the very preliminary stages of creating this studio um very early on um and hopefully in a few years it gets made but every time i think about it it just makes me like giggle you know, like, have you ever had that the moment? It just makes you giggle when you think about something, you know? I don't know why. I mean, it's not a, It's not so much like it's humorous. It's just, I don't know. It just tickles me. It tickles me. It tickles me. <laughs> <laughs> See, it makes me laugh because it's like, who the hell am I to, like, you know, redefine, like, how studios interact and make the you know working behind the scenes more accessible you know um i'm an able-bodied person but it does bring me joy to think about how we could become more inclusive for people with disabilities behind the camera your heart is in the right place yeah it's amazing for sure that's awesome <laughs> it it tickles me <laughs> <laughs> just like that <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Greg. This was an amazing conversation. We are so excited for all that is to come for you, truly. Um, This was truly, truly, truly an honor. Y'all, this was Gregory Pacificar. Woo-woo! What, what? What, what? I loved you then. I love you now. And I will continue loving you until I can no longer. You took a part of me until I had nothing left. The old me had to die so the new me could be reborn. I didn't deserve that pain. I deserve love, just not from her. Today, I choose myself. I wanted to tell you, but you weren't there. These are the stories that I wish you heard. Streaming weekly episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Gregory Pacifico! Oh my gosh! Can we be friends and yes. hang out? <laughs> uh, yes, please. Uh, I got your phone number, Greg, so I will be hitting you up because we deserve to get some margaritas or something. <laughs> yeah. What a cool guy, man. Yeah. And uh, I feel like this episode took some some turns that I wasn't expecting it to in that mm-hmm. we covered some topics that I wasn't expecting us to cover particularly like what it means to love yourself, what it means to communicate love, how to communicate. Um, So one thing for me that I took away from this episode is that there's so many ways to show your appreciation. Um, But I know generationally, there's a lot of folks 
at least in the U.S., where there's an expectation from, you know, what we see in the media of you need to express your love in one one type of way. And I think that is probably not what um, older generations have learned, especially if they're from another country and culture. Mm-hmm. Even though we're all universally Filipino, like their lived experience is a little bit different. So um, one thing that I wanted to call out is just because you don't say I love you doesn't mean it's it's not there. But also like maybe say it from time to time mm-hmm. um, because there are things that may feel okay left unsaid, but when it's too late, it's too late, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I love talking about communication issues in our culture because clearly and ironically enough, we don't talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. And um, Greg shared with us his stories about how his family didn't verbally express their love in the house. And we both identified with that landscape in our own homes. And I know many others out there in the Filipino community have experienced this as well. But what is interesting is that Greg also talks about how, uh, and he quotes, and he said, being Filipino is all about the heart. And when we mm-hmm. welcome people in as a Filipino community, as Filipino people, we welcome you in. Like, we will shower you with food and, like, you know, it's strange. If we don't know you that well, we're also really good at complimenting people <laughs> and not and not doing the whole, oh, you're fat. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's so strange. Like, with Isn't strangers, you're, strange? like, so polite. And then with your own family, it's like... All of that pent up anger or like, <laughs> I don't know, like all of a yeah. sudden it's like you're so open. There's like two spec- two ends of the spectrum. <laughs> exactly. It's the irony is like so confusing and jarring. And what is that? Um, but yeah, it's just, it's it's <sighs> OK. I, I believe that as Filipinos, we want to share love clearly. Mm-hmm. Um and Dustin, you talked about love languages, which I love that you brought that up. And I think for a lot of the older generation, like you mentioned, acts of service and gifts are the most common languages communicated to us to show love. Um, but I'd like to go deeper into why this is. Just like, why do we compliment strangers mm-hmm. and not our own family members? Why do we want to communicate love through these specific love languages, but never through words of affirmation. Why? Why is why are these patterns? I don't know what it is. I don't know what the reason is, but I'd like to think that, you know, colonization has some part of why this is, because I think we can trace everything back to colonization. Yeah. Um, Dude, can I pause you for a second? Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. Like, that just blew my mind. Like the complimenting yes. strangers thing. Like the, like, oh, the the other people are better than us type of situation. Or like I, I mm-hmm. have to like defer to the other. Oh, ooh. ooh. Yeah, yeah. Epiphany. Um, yeah. Yeah, why is that? You know, I don't know about you, but like my, 
my specifically my mom like to strangers would be like oh you're so wonderful and you're so great and my mom you know you've met my mom she doesn't talk that much but then mm -hmm. when she talks about me even to strangers she'd be like god crystal's such a fucking asshole you know oh my like, god <laughs> she wouldn't say asshole but she's like oh look at her she's so dark oh look at her she's this and that to strangers and i'm like thinking about it now as like an adult i'm like damn that's like hella awkward like as an adult what do i say to this fellow adult and child <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. you know and especially like if you're also filipino you don't want to exemplify defiance yeah so like yeah my mom would like talk crap about me in front of people and like how awkward was it for like maybe another even especially filipino adult to respond to that because mm -hmm. you can either be like oh crystal's mom i don't see that or i don't think that about crystal but then that would be like maybe breaking some code in that generation to show the child like, oh, it's okay to talk back or to deny what the adult just said or like uh. the authority just said. So anyway, that's just like something that's that's been lingering in my mind after our conversation with Greg. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, for what it's worth, as someone who's been in an environment where verbal communication was lacking and sometimes, you know, abusive, I want to say words still very much matter if it's being said or if there is an absence of it, right? Mm -hmm. I know that may not be someone's love language, especially for the older generation, but I think our formation from children to adults, hearing those words, I love you, or good job, or anything <laughs> a little yeah. bit on the more positive side, you know, like words of encouragement, affirmation, versus like not hearing anything at all or being scolded, um, and then being confused with just acts of service. But, oh, no, no. And then getting like showered with gifts or like financial support. Mm -hmm. That doesn't like completely translate in my mind and in my experience to this kind of like complete unconditional love, mm -hmm. you know? And as kids, we don't know love languages. <laughs> you know, yeah, like we don't that's true. we don't know that and I feel like this will definitely and has affected me personally with how I interact with people and the world that isn't always the healthiest. And um, yeah, I think also because of that, it's like it's harder for us as adults to find our worth um, and to um, know that we are enough and worthy of love because we didn't hear it growing up. So why would we say it to ourselves? Ooh, ooh, you know, that's deep. Yeah, so I think that's so much of the baseline of how, like, how we pursue things as adults. I think how we can or can't live um, our lives authentically for ourselves. I think this has a lot to do with that and, like, how it takes so much time to, like, find that non-traditional career path and to, like, just be committed to it because we can't. 
we can't even express that love for ourselves. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, yeah, it bleeds into work things. Like Greg mentioned, he'd ask himself, why do I let other people, producers or friends, tell me what kind of work I should do? And he continued, when I go down that path, it doesn't work in my favor. And I think that's a symptom of how we grew up. As much as we can be grateful for the acts of service and gift giving. And I think we can all agree, like, we are grateful for the sacrifices and um, the financial support. If, if that was available to us, because not not every Filipino family has, like, the financial support that we grew up with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's also another topic that we don't talk about enough, like, class within yeah. the Filipino community. Because I feel like everyone thinks that Filipinos are middle class to upper class, but that's not always the case. Right. That's a total side note. Um, I think... We can be grateful for those things, right? But I don't think it's wrong to point out these toxic patterns that we have in our community. It's not dissing on the older generation saying like, oh, da, 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 you know, it's just pointing out that there could have been something that could have been done to help us better in our adult life in how we navigate so many different aspects of our lives and there's no fixing it unless we address it i think we need more love verbalized and i think we can see the power of verbalizing love through greg's journey i really like the that you pointed out the the journey that greg took with regards to like verbalizing his love for himself Mm -hmm. and like how hard it is for us to even acknowledge or say the words like hey i love you to yourself like, mm. I never really did that until maybe recently. Um, and being okay with, like, really embracing who you are is a struggle for a lot of people. And I think that's, that struggle is because of the shame that they're taught. Because mm. society says, like, hey, you need to be one way or another. Or, hey, like, you're too dark, you're too fat, you're too whatever. Um, and I think once we start embracing, like, who we are... Like, who we authentically are. Like, I guess tying it back to um, our little banter in the beginning with our intro question. There's going to be people out there who don't like you for whatever reason or feel like they need to tell you to be one way or another. But, dude, just be who you are. Be who you're meant to be and the right people will will come to your circle, I feel. I 100% agree. And I think because our... Community is also very family-oriented, and especially, you know, for the LGBTQ plus community, you know? Mm-hmm. I I know that it's been hard for some people to come out to their families, right? Mm-hmm. And if they reject that about you, I know that they're family, but that doesn't mean... And I we've talked about this before, you mm-hmm. know? I think it's okay to step away if you absolutely have to for the the sake of your self-preservation and for the sake of your your life. Mm-hmm. Really, there's so much pressure in these familial settings and the expectations of what it should look like. And so often we sacrifice so much of ourselves just to upkeep that ideal and I 
I sometimes it's just not even worth it if you're like dying inside and if every day you're feeling like life is not worth living because you mm-hmm. don't get to be you. Yeah. I guess the takeaway is like love yourself first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the pieces will fall. You're lovely. Um, I want to talk about this idea that we've or this theme that we've discussed in previous episodes of like manifesting. <gasps> One thing that really took me by surprise in this conversation is Greg's story about how he landed the music video directing gig <gasps> with Shaka Khan. <sighs> yes. So he had talked about, you know, I'm I manifested this years before. Um, when I began to like love myself and when I verbalized, I love myself. Hey, I love you, buddy. Like in the mirror, all of a sudden you get a call from, (laughs) you know, Shaka Khan's people and you're doing a music video or for a song that's called, uh, I love myself. I think that's so telling of how the universe works in your favor or how it can surprise you in positive ways. Mm, there are so mm-hmm, many yeah. so many opportunities that cross our paths that are actually you know pushing us in a direction that is good for us even if it's like tough in the moment wow at the end of that at the end of that road it's 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 there's a prize there's a pot of gold there's a pot of gold <laughs> there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow it's a pot of gold i don't know how to do an irish accent that's okay so. let's not even <laughs> <laughs> so um, what uh, what were your thoughts about um, the Shaka Khan moment? Because I think that that piece was really special. Oh, my gosh. I just got the chills again when you brought up that moment because that. I mean, the man, the the universe works, the universe works. The universe is working and it works in mysterious ways. And I'm here mm-hmm. for it. And I just want to bring up what. Greg said, he said, the universe always wants you to succeed. That's mm, why yes. you're here. Holy crap. That's so powerful. Like, yeah. I feel that in my bones. That's why you're here. I, I don't know about you, but like I have many moments of like existential crisis. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do? but you know like we're here because we're we're here for something we have been given gifts we have been given everything that we need living inside of us to make this world what it's potentially supposed to be and it you know at the end of the day it's like up to us to listen to those calls but you know, from the moment that he shared his project in class to that Shaka Khan moment, you know, listening to the universe and also finding the love and trust in yourself and then going back to verbalizing that love, that's everything. Mm-hmm. These moments are gifts and we have to seize them. And I think oftentimes, especially when you're presented with gifts that may lead to a non-traditional path, it is hard to listen to the universe because it's like, you want me to do this, but it's hard, you know? <laughs> but, you know, it's presented your it's presented itself because you can do it. So trust and love yourself enough to follow through with it. It's definitely a harder road for sure, but 
you know, in Gregory's case, I mean, even his family recognized and pointed out that the film industry is for white men. But the universe has been giving Greg signs that he's and he's been coupling that with his self-love and he's been succeeding. I mean, seriously, that moment was fucking magical. Um, And he's just he's doing it. And the universe wants it for you. So want it for yourself also. You are worth yeah. pursuing yourself because also the universe said so. <laughs> yeah, the universe said so. Yeah. God. Yes. Ah. Uh, anyway, final thoughts, Boo. I. Yes. So. Still, still talking about this idea of the universe and like manifesting. Like, wow, I really feel that we have power to manifest things. We sure do. I agree that the universe wants us to succeed. And I feel like some of the things that Greg did to kind of help this, help him get to where he is, is he like understood what he wanted to do. He had a vision of where he wanted to be. He kind of cleared the path for himself Mm. and said yes to opportunities that would take him kind of towards this route of creating through film. I think the the takeaway for me in that story and in that journey is, you know, say yes to opportunities that could potentially lead you to where you want to be. Know where you want to be. And then if an opportunity presents itself to you, do your best to make room for that opportunity because it will propel you forward. Mm-hmm. Don't, Don't push you. that opportunity away. Take it in. Give it a big old hug. Yeah. Hug that opportunity and hug yourself. <sighs> hug it. <laughs> um, and that's our episode. <laughs> that's Thank our you episode. all for, for joining us. We'll see you at our finale. <gasps> oh, my goodness. We'll see you at our finale in see just a y'all. couple weeks. OMG. See ya. Bye. Bye. Make sure to subscribe to MeSearch wherever you listen to podcasts. Find new episodes on the first and third Wednesday every month. Check us out at MeSearchPodcast.com. And find us on social media at MeSearchPodcast. MeSearch is produced and hosted by Dustin Domingo and Crystal Tugatti. Editing by Dustin Domingo. Special thanks to our guest, Gregory Pacificar. Make sure to follow him at G Pacificar and check out his podcast at Gam Chat Podcast. Shoutouts to all our friends and family giving this podcast a shot. We'll catch you all at the next episode. We're going to get to the bottom of things. This is me search, folks. Woo!